Welcome to the Critical Witness podcast, where we talk faith, apologetics, evangelism, and anything else we can think of. We hope you enjoy the show. Good evening. Welcome to Critical Witness. And uh, it's good to have you here. I'm Phil. Uh, we're going to be chatting to Lisa, Ajay, and Dan's also here in the background having just finished his dinner. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, racial justice in the UK church. Um, and Lisa's going to tell us all about her uh, collective that she's been one of the founding members of. And uh, without any further ado, because we've, we've got about an hour don't know if the week's been mad for you but it's been mad for all three of us so we're going to keep it fairly succinct tonight and um we'll go for a part two if we need to which we probably will because i'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about so lisa it's great to have you with us welcome thank you thanks guys good to join you uh, yeah really good to join you so tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of what you do um yeah. and and then we'll go into maybe how the Sankofa stuff started uh, from there. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I guess a bit broader. So, hi, I'm Lisa. Um, I have lots of siblings. <laughs> um, um, I am of Ghanaian heritage, so that's in West Africa. Beautiful mm. place. Highly recommend a holiday there. Um, I currently work for Christian Aid as a British church relationship manager, which basically means I work with lots of church leaders and senior uh, leaders and denominations and kind of bringing them on board with the work that we do around justice um, at Christian Aid. And I also founded Sankofa Collective. And so, um, yeah, it's it's great to, to yeah, found an organisation um, and it's mm. part of Sankofa Collective is to seek uh, racial justice and reconciliation. Um, and it's a community of Christians on that journey together um seeking yeah racial justice and so yeah you can unpack mm. that a little bit more together yeah. i guess that'd be good. Yeah. um that's that's kind of the the, the thing do you do you have um is there any overlap with your current roles in christian aid tier fund has that been building into what you do with sankofa or is that kind of totally separate um I think it definitely has played a massive part, you know, so I, I'm actually a trained scientist. So that's the, the doctor bit is actually a PhD in biochemistry, which for lots of people is like, that's so random. <laughs> um, I had to go from being a scientist to kind of working in an NGO. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of got to a point, finished my, my thesis, uh, did my vibe and I was like, I'm done. I just want to get out of hmm. the lab, get me out of here. And um, I had a friend who was working at Tear Fund at the time. And so she was like, oh, Lisa, there's loads of jobs going. You'd be amazing at this. You love people. You know, I was pastoring. I was a student pastor at the time. And so sort of went in to work with their young emerging generation. Um, and that's kind of how I kind of sort of started learning more and more about justice, um, learning more and more about the themes of justice, of, you know, poverty alleviate, alleviation and just, I guess, I guess, like growing a heart to see people come out of, um yeah oppression and so I've been worked mm. for a tier fund for about four years 
um, and then last year moved over to Christian Aid um, in this role. And so I feel like it's been a it's been a kind of growing, bubbling kind of unpacking for me of I, I really have a heart for this and almost a calling in a sense, mm, you know, yeah. feel feel really called to this. Um, and yeah, kind of on a journey, on a journey with God about discovering what that looks like. Awesome. Um, yeah adventure yeah yeah <laughs> oh, kind of, you know? <laughs> no, i love it love it yeah it, and it's, it's interesting what you're talking about with uh the sort of journey um I kind of felt the same with, with what i do with with friends international in the sense of it kind of came out of a more functional need and then over a couple of years like actually yeah i kind of feel like i should be doing this and and what god's calling me to um, which is interesting, sort of looking back at the first in- interviews that I did in meeting volunteers and things. And I remember one of the feed- bits of feedback was, um, you-, you didn't really talk much about how God called you to this. <laughs> it was more like mm. I-, I needed to leave teaching, so therefore this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, that's probably true. But yeah, now, yeah. now, now it's more like, yeah, God, God's put me here for a reason. So yeah. I've worked that out and took, took a yeah. bit of time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, so and you, you yeah, find, sorry, I just say that you find that you you start to discover more about yourself in that mm. journey. You know that it's it, you know as you kind of go on it, you probably wouldn't have put yourself in this place ten years ago or twenty years ago. Someone said to you as an eighteen year old, "This is what you're going to be doing, Phil." Like you would have been like, "No way!" But actually, you know, you discover so much more of what already was there. You know, mm. a heart or a passion or a skill skills that were already there um that you kind of yeah I guess refine and discover um yeah yeah Uh, yeah I think I think that's the thing with with calling you don't quite necessarily plan for it but I guess you realize you you realize when you're there um I think (laughs) (laughs) well I think you you probably it's often when you find yourself on on a road already and um uh, and you kind of realize oh no, no, I think I think God meant I was on. I should have been on this road, uh, mm. kind of thing, rather than. And a lot of people don't necessarily make an active decision always. That's what we want, and we want this sort of like right. Well, I know this is what I should do. This is yeah. it. I'm I'm signing up. But it's often you find the meaning and, and purpose in it once you're actually in it. I, I, I suppose. Yeah, it was certainly helpful to try to as well. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, so. Tell us a bit. So the Sankofer Collective is about racial justice in the UK. So uh, I, I, I called you a founding member. You were the founder. So tell, tell us how it started. Like what was the catalyst of from what you were doing in Tifan? That I guess why yeah. why why you felt this was particularly needed uh, would, would yeah. be cool to to hear. Yeah. So I think I probably would say that it started, or I guess sort of like the clear beginnings of it was the Justice Conference. And so I I took on a role at Tier Fund to project manage the Justice Conference. And as part of that, I had to go see another Justice Conference. And so I got to go to Australia. So I found myself nice. in Australia, um, sitting in the Justice Conference and hearing, and, and the way that the, the, the conference starts in Australia is that they begin with welcoming the Indigenous community and the elders of the Indigenous community to open up the the conference and to almost um, start it off. And so they tell a bit of their history. And I had never heard 
the history of Australia in that way. I mean, I knew about Captain mm. Cook, you know, sort of going to, to Australia, but I'd never heard the, the story of the people who were already on that land. You know, when we talk yeah. about discovering Australia, you can't discover something that already existed. And so hearing it from the people in that community, um, hearing about the millions of people, their own family, you know, that, that generation wiped out, um, you know, that yeah. were um, killed because they were you know, counted as plant and fauna. They were, you know, the, the, mm. they just said, you know, they're no different to the forest and the trees. Um, so we'll just, we'll just kill them all. Um, mm. And so, you know, I just sat there and just my heart broke. And I remember mm. sitting in a cafe with my line manager, probably not a situation that you want with your line manager. I literally just bawling my eyes out, just going, what mm. have we done to the planet? Um, mm. And so I guess off the back of that, there was just so much stirring in me around how do we not know this history? How can I have grown up here, you know, uh, you know, my whole life and not know this history? How did I not know that? Um, mm. And so, you know, for most of us, when we talk about history um, here at school, um, it's stuff like Henry VIII, the Battle of Hastings, um, you know, maybe a little bit of the Tudors and, and that sort of stuff. But there's so much, you know, that that has happened around the globe that, is British history, it's part of our history that, that we're unaware of. And so got back and then ended up, a friend gave me a book called Sins of the Father uh, by a guy called Brian Mills. Um, and he was part of the, the sort of repentance and reconciliation movement for about 20 years before. And again, he talks about the history of England in relation to so many nations around the globe. And it's, it's, it's a tough book to read. <laughs> um, you know, I had to read it slowly. You pause at some parts and just your, your heart um, is just breaking. And so I guess off the back of that, there was something in me stirring saying that there's a whole generation that does not know history, that doesn't know the context that we're coming to this conversation with. And then in the May following that, that's when, you know, George Floyd was murdered. Mm. And again, just the, the heartbreak and the lament, you know, that, that so many of us were, were going through in that moment because it felt personal. It felt, it felt like one of us, you know, even though mm. we, we didn't know him, we'd never met him. It felt, it felt closer to home than that. And so mm. uh, we, we started gathering, you know, there's a group of us that started gathering together and meeting together to, to learn. Um, and then off the back of that, I guess Sankofa Collective was kind of born um, as a community of people who wanted to learn history, who were keen about repentance and, you know, including that part in it. Um, and then saying, OK, what can we do differently off the back of that? Um, yeah. Hmm. Can, can, can I ask what, why did, why did, what was different about George Floyd in the sense that it felt, you, you said that it felt, personal I felt like one of you know one, one, one of us given I guess I guess an observation would be that well it's happened thousands of times you know it's happened hundreds you know yeah. several hundreds of times uh in some cases very rare cases much closer to home um yeah. what what was it about that that made it feel so like a yeah. I've heard some people talk about it, it felt like a like a personal attack like in, yeah. in, in some yeah. in some way yeah when there's in reality, very little to distinguish it from it. There's lots of Hispanics, blacks, whites who were killed by police each each year in the US, for instance. So I'd just be, it'd be, yeah, I'd be interested if you just expand. Yeah. I, I, I think that there's something about 
the ability to visualize it. You know, so often when you when we hear those stories, and not to say that they're any less impactful because they they are they they mm. they we we've been people have been saying this for years. This wasn't this wasn't the first time that that kind of um, that the black community got together and said this is not okay. You know, this has been going on for a really long time. Mm both in the States and here in the UK. Um, you know, you've got Stephen Lawrence. Um, you know, that was, a, that was a huge moment where, where people rose up to speak up. But I think there's something about the murder of George Floyd and the context of what was happening before it. And so I think there was Ahmaud Arbery, um hmm. before before George Floyd. And so that that was already kind of sort of, bubbling in the back in the in the background and people were speaking up about it and going there's something not right you know we we saw the picture I think someone in a, in a car videoed it and you saw that he was just on a jog you know and then you know the two men got out of the car and, and shot him um and so there were stories kind of building up to it but there was something about watching someone scream for their life hmm. and almost hearing the breath I feel emotional just saying it, like mm-hmm. hearing the breath leave him and the indifference on the policeman's face and the and the and the coldness of of that situation, the felt like relate to, to the to that weight, to that I, I can guarantee you every black person has had a story, at least one if not hundreds more of so many scenarios where they have felt that someone has judged them based on the look of their skin or, 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 or their appearance without giving them any, any, any measure of doubt, any, any, any opportunity to, to justify or to say, this is what's going on and has felt that, that neck, <laughs> that knee on their neck in that same mm. way. And so, mm. and so I think that's why it felt, it felt more personal because nine minutes, nine minutes on someone's neck, that's, that's, that's inhumane. It's not, mm. it's not just, mm. it's not just wrong. It's not just, oh, you know, this was an accident. It, it was like a level of, of inhumanity that, that hits your, hits your soul. And I think for, I think for a lot of us, it was hard for us to feel like other people didn't get that, mm, you know, like mm. other people didn't understand that. It was like, how, how could you not? You know, even if he even if he was in the wrong, we have a law system. <laughs> we, we have a, we have a justice system that means that you're not tried on the streets. You're mm. not judged. You know, you don't get your final judgment on the streets. That's not how it works. So no matter which way you look at it. It was so inhumane, so, so wrong, you know, um, to so many degrees. And, and it was that cry of I can't breathe um, that I guess in the context of COVID and the pandemic, you know, felt so, felt personal. It just exploded, um, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's interesting looking back through through history to some extent that there are these moments of complete inhumanity that, Unfortunately, it has to be that level to spark something. Like Emmett Till, reading about him yeah. Yeah. was another spark. Um, where it's just why why it takes such extreme 
barbarism basically to to get people to suddenly respond in a way that's like this is this is wrong and you're like well yeah all those all those other times it's been wrong, wrong. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been yeah. wrong but yeah. uh wh- why it takes us such an extreme extent and i think you're you're right there were there was um a couple of others at a similar time as well as Aubrey, Brianna Taylor was Brianna fairly, Taylor. Yeah. and there just seemed to be like a spate of them in the year before that then that mm-hmm. just complete mess of a situation just, yeah, but, but it was, it's horrendous. And, and I think, yeah. yeah, I think for someone to not be able to, to feel that, I think yeah. is, mm-hmm. it was quite, yeah, it, it was, it was, mad to hear the sort of narratives that were then being spun from that story yeah Yeah. Um, and and I think that was I think that added to the pain because for for a lot of us we we felt the pain just hearing the story and then watching the video but then to hear people say oh but that's that's in the states why are you bothered why, why are you crying? You know, like, you know, what's, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You know, that, that's got nothing to do with you and your world. Um, and, and I think that almost added to it of like, you don't see me, mm. <laughs> you, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't see um, my presence. You don't, you don't see or value me in that same way. And I think some of the some of the conversations that were being had and the comments that were made, even in church spaces, yeah. um, you know, caused huge. Um, I would I call it the exodus, you know, because you just saw a huge movement of people, um, you know, realizing, oh, maybe this isn't the church for me. You know, actually, maybe I've realized actually my my pastor's really, really, really not bothered about people who look like me, and so maybe it's time for me to go and find another church. And and it wasn't just black and brown people who were moving i had white brothers and sisters who were up and saying actually i want my pastor to care i want my Mm. pastor to care about racial justice and so because he doesn't i'm going to go find a community of people who do and so i just you just start to see the shift um happening in the church um and i guess because it was online maybe some pastors didn't realize that they were losing a lot more of their congregation than they realized Mm. yeah yeah i think i think that was a, a big reflection for hopefully many of us so that i don't know don't know if it was as big but just to recognize it's not just the pandemic that caused a lot of stress over, over that year um so i i guess in in that context th- there was a lot of and i had quite a few friends sort of expressed similar um sentiment around around george floyd in the uk just what I guess for you, leading into the Sankofa Collective side of things, are there, so you talked about Stephen Lawrence, are, are there other sort of, what, what is unique about UK culture, I guess? Is there a mm. difference? Because um, there's an aspect of UK culture that I sense that we we look back at things like the slave trade and we're like, well, we were the first, one of the first countries to stop it. I mean, we were one yeah. of the first countries to start it as well, but that yeah. we try we we we, we over, <laughs> overlooked that to some extent, and we go well. We had Wilberforce, and uh, there, there's a sort of moralism within UK culture that says we we're the ones who fought it. It is more it's more complicated that that than that in the sense that 
you got to think when you go, uh, you know, to talk about the slave trade as well. You're talking about a very small subset of a culture. You're talking about mm. the richest, privileged people in the country, facilitating the Atlantic slave trade and you know uh, all sorts of other horrible imperialist actions all over Africa, Asia, uh, you know, etc. Et and it's and that that's part, it fills into I think the the about it almost fills into why you were saying about how why it takes something horrid to awaken people because the slave trade like many things was hidden from people it was hidden away and, and as injustice remains hidden it's easier to it never gets addressed when it's hidden you have to mm. expose injustice for to get to you know to awake awaken people and i think a lot of yeah, I don't, I don't. I think a lot of people were not necessarily aware of the extent of what was going on, uh, and, upon, and, and upon yeah, and upon finding out, they're like, "Well, this is this is horrendous." Mm. Um, yeah. But you got sorry, you can't, you can't carry. No, on. no, please, please finish. Sorry, <laughs> I, I just <laughs> want to say, I think, I, I, I think it's one of those things that again is is often we talk about history is poorly understood because what we say, mm. we say it, it, it great as, as a uh, when people say a country, England, or this did that. We're talking about a very, very small number of people with the power to facilitate this, and not. Um, and I think just a lot of people just didn't know what was going on. And I, I think that's what what Wilberforce, Wilberforce Thomas Clarkson did is they exposed they exposed the dirty laundry of what was actually going on. You know, hidden mm. or, hidden away on the you know, you know, the Caribbean mm. and, and and North America and, and and Africa and things like that that made people a bit more aware. But it, it's I don't know. I don't even know what the point of that was. <laughs> Uh, well, it just, no, it just, it just grates me. I just, it just, it just grates me when people say a whole country because it's so, it's, it's, it almost feels like we're, you, you can tarnish a whole country when. But maybe, what? maybe there is an aspect of, of that and that we need, we need to sort of really dig deep because I, I, I'm not sure I agree that people were ignorant in that time. I mean, you, you I, can, you, you can look at who owns slaves and actually there's quite a few people own them that weren't the top of the top well if you look in the u.s about four percent of the population were slave owners i think is it about four percent at least let's go for it, it yeah so so i i i hear i hear you dan and i, and I actually hear this i hear this quite a lot um and i think that there's there's some there's something about there's something i'm not saying this this is what you're saying but it might be there's something about I wasn't part of it, um, you know, I, I, I didn't do it. Um, and I think that there's this, this is sort of one of the shifts that I'm really, really passionate for the church to make is around going from our individual action to our collective action. Yeah. And the reason why is because unless we shift our thinking from me and my personal actions, walk, faith, all of those things, we don't take responsibility for things, which means then we don't fix things, which means then we don't shift things. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and yes, yes, the, the, the rich, the privileged were definitely hugely massive part of that. You know, when we're talking about the abolition of slavery, England abolished slavery and then paid the slave owners. Mm -hmm. Lloyd's Bank, so many organizations you can do, I think it's UCL have a sense of history and you can trace 
um, the, 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 the very affluent slave owners to current businesses today. They've done, they've yeah. done that mapping. Um, yeah. It was only paid money. off a few years ago. Yeah, 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 which, yeah, which yeah. Is, oh, we only finished paying for it, taxpayers. Can you imagine? Um, yeah, yeah. And and so we we can't sit down and pat us pat ourselves on the back as like the moral leaders of of justice or human rights when actually when we start to unpick so much of our history, actually that's not true. And 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 there's there's an intentional part of keeping it from our eyes and our view do you know how many petitions have been made to bring some of this stuff into our curriculum Mm. for decades you know and there's this constant shutting down no we don't want to teach our kids this we don't we don't want them to know you know and actually in this day and age with google with with encyclopedias with one book online um talk show you know uh, ability to travel there are so many opportunities to not be ignorant that mm. it makes it hard for us to sit back and to wash our hands of saying, oh, well, you know, it wasn't me or I didn't know. And so what what I, I always want to do is to encourage people to say, here's a good time to start. Start mm. now, mm. you know, that, that if you if you can see and, and, and undo some of that, that unawareness, blindness, ignorance now, start now, you know, that there's, there's always opportunity to begin. But I, I think also that it's not just the rich and powerful, but there are so many of us that benefit from injustice. Um, mm-hmm. that, that to sit back and say, actually, we, we only need the rich and powerful to change for this to be sorted. You know, if we take the United States, you know, it may have been only 4% that, that owned slaves, but there was a whole community. If you look in the South, a whole yeah. community mm. of people that bought into those ideas of dehumanizing yeah. Black people. Um, yeah. And so they might have not had the money to own a slave, but they mistreated them in the streets. They joined in with a the lynching. They were happy to run them over. Do you mean all of those things? they partook in it some way and so it's very hard to say our hands are clean um you know and so even for me sitting in Australia even though I'm I'm of Ghanaian heritage a part of me says we did this mm. this this happened in our this happened from from our our time our people what have we done because unless we see ourselves as a part of it we don't take the right responsibility to be able to do something about it. If it's someone else's problem, then then they, they can do that. We're just waiting for them to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's us, it's our, it's our problem together. But I think that's the difficulty of persuading people that it's um it's it's their problem because I think we're I think it's a basic sort of axiom of, of morality is that I'm responsible for my actions and the guilt uh, if if I do something, if I do something wrong that guilt's imputed to me because of my actions. And so I can see, and again, I speak to a lot of people like, well, I wasn't around, you know, it's happened hundreds of years ago. What about, why don't we go back a hundred years before? And then I, 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 we should impute guilt for, you know, there's no shortage of horrendous things that this country has done um, in, for, you know, for the last several hundred years, uh, in, even more recently. And it's, diff- it's difficult to, I think that's like this, this, this prima facie, assumption that people have and it's not it's not without some justification is that you know 
I feel, I feel guilt for the things I do. And I, I'm, I'm not going to be made to feel guilty. I'm not saying I, I'm saying as it, some people mm -hmm. feel well, I'm not going to be made to feel guilty for something that I had no, I had no interest in. I wouldn't do if I was there now, wouldn't support, never supported it. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's very difficult to overcome because there went, yeah. and especially when you start getting into addressing Christian, that's a problem, not just for Christians, but for non-Christians. Well, I think that's a, it's just a basic axiom of morality. And then we're saying, well, again, I'm responsible for my sin, but am I responsible for for some for someone else's sin? Um, well, that's a good question, though. Are you? Hmm. Are you? Because, and again, how we see sin, wrong, injustice is very different in the West to the rest of the world. Absolutely. And so, hmm. and so, when you even when you're looking at that word transgressions. Mm. transgressions is more about communal it's, it's, it's a it's, it's a communal sin we collectively together have done wrong when you when you look back at, at you know the the prophetic utterances of the major and minor prophets what were they saying to israel you as a people have mm. done wrong to the poor in your community you have not looked out for those who are widows you have not taken care of your neighbor you know, and it doesn't it doesn't name them one by one. It talks to them as a whole, as a group, as a people. And so one of the stuff that we've done at Sankofa is talk about corporate sin and corporate repentance. Mm. Because there's 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 a part in our discipleship where we haven't learned that actually I'm I'm deeply impacted by both of you, even though I just met you today, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know that I I am affected by you. That we we together are a part of humanity. This isn't just this isn't just me, and also it's not just my personal faith. I join the faith, you know. And so the faith didn't start with me. It's been going since, you know, since the early church, you know, I'm a part, I'm now coming to be a part of it, you know. And so when Paul is talking about the body in, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, this is kind of the language that's coming through. And so, again, bringing some of this stuff back to the UK church and saying, it's not just our individual lives. Somewhere along the line, we forgot that we were together a whole we're a mm. part of one another. And so if one part does wrong, we, we all are a part of seeing that result. I think that can I'm work. Getting, in the, I'm getting yeah. preaching now. No, 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 we like, do, we like do, it. Do, we, yeah. we, we, it's, it's important to show that passion, especially around this topic. And I think, I think that what's interesting is that's not foreign to the West, especially in the last 50 years. I mean, it, it's come up on my feed in, in terms of the Holocaust Memorial Day this last week, that the actually someone today posted about um the boy in striped pajamas has been critiqued due to it kind of highlighting an almost um brainwashed and um individual innocence that enabled hitler's regime and, and some of the horrific things that happened in the holocaust and it's been critiqued to say that that's wrong because it was it was a collective issue within within the community and and focusing in on individuals to sort of look at them as though they're innocent while walking by a fence of Auschwitz or, or, or a concentration camp that's it highlights the the messiness of sin that corrupts completely ruins communities and okay. I, I I do find it I find it quite 
interesting. I understand it. I understand that the sort of biblical language of the the soul that sins shall die, and you you don't inherit your your father's sin. You can you can defend that biblically to some extent, but I think all of us as Christians should understand that that sin corrupts all aspects of life, including our communal aspect of life. And I haven't quite found the right empathy for, for those who push back on the inability for communal repentance. I, I don't understand the, the argument. I know they're there. I know there are arguments. So I, I, I think people don't know where to stop. Like, because when you start, when you start talking, when you start, I think that's what people hear is, is when you start talking about collective guilt, it's like, well, that me, I'm pro like I'm not. Well, I'm not just pro. I'm anti-abortion. I think anti. Mm-hmm. I think abortion is a serious injustice and uh, and, and, and an issue that Christians have been. You know, read the D decay going back to the late first century. This is something Christians have, have always been against. And what's interesting is the way the church, big C, approaches injustice. Is it's there's either there's the church there's like that you'll you know you'll be in an area there'll be this one church that's clearly mm-hmm. anti-abortion and and then there'll be the one church that's they're really for, against the, you know they're really for the poor and they do the food bank and everything's this and then there's the other church that's really about racial injustice and uh, and the there'll be another one that's about the lgbtq community but everything's so disjointed so what happens when you're when you're against when you like you're really against this 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 injustice you just move to the church that's already got an interest in that thing and if it, it just feels like with all justice issues in the church everything is very disjointed and there's no i, I don't know i don't even know the point of what, what i was saying is it feels like <laughs> it, feels, it feels like everything's really disjointed because i wouldn't i can't not go to a church churches hardly care no no if i go to a church to talk about racial injustice no one uh, maybe if I, a church, if you, if you go on the downloads and look at the last 20 years of a church abortion, nine times out, well, 99 times out of 100, you find, you find nothing. Mm. nothing. Nothing there about it. No one really cares about it. Um, so, so I guess maybe we can go back to that, that question of, of, I've heard the sort of slippery slope. So where do we start? If we're going to talk, so what, what's your response, Lisa, to, to that? If, if you're talking about the collective repentance yeah. and, and lament, what would be your response if someone said, well, or, am I meant yeah, to be what, responsible for the, for the, the death of the Celts, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah. and then, you know, native population. I've seen people say, as I say, well, what about, you know, the indigenous people and, in, you know, in, uh, well, it's, um, you know, I can't remember who, the people here is Celt. There's lots of debate about who the people were here, but the first people in what's now the United, you know, the United Kingdom, you know, do we, mm. and all these different people groups. So that is sort of this, yeah. uh, it's sort of this attempt to add, you know, um, I, oh, I can't remember it now. Um, I, I, a lot of sort of logical fallacy. Yeah, I, 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 I hear you on that. But I think my response would be when we get to the point of awareness of a deep injustice that has happened from us as a people group, we repent. Mm. And, and I'm not sure that I would say that we have you know, collective guilt for, for generations and generations. I, I, I do. I believe in Jesus. I believe I believe in the cross and I believe that he deals with sin. But we have to repent. We have to, we have to do that initial part. Um, and, and I think that to bury our heads in the sand and say, oh, well, 
um, if I start, I won't be able to stop. Well, then we'll keep going until Jesus comes. Because <laughs> that's what we're called to do, I, isn't it? Yeah, because I think that if, you, if we see it from the perspective of those people in those communities that have suffered, you know, we, we talk about the Native Americans. It's their home. It's the home that God put them on to be custodians of. You know, and we, if we look at them and their story and their people, it's not enough for me to sit here and say, oh, well, like, I'll be too tired to repent. So mm. I just won't. <laughs> um, mm. It's too long for me to think about reparations. So I just won't. But actually, we're, we're, <laughs> if we did that, we'd never start. I think we just have to start with what we are aware of. Start, start from what you know now. Start from the people in your own community. You know, even if racial justice isn't on your radar yet, start from the people in your community. Who are the ones that are ignored? Who are the homeless? Who are, who are the ones that are on the margins of your community that you have walked past over and over? Because the Bible's very clear about how we treat them. Mm. Uh, let's start there. Because once we start with repentance, I believe we get a heart change to see people as God intended us to see them. And as we do that, we might find our heart growing. It might start with, with people who have been you know, affected by homelessness. It might start with people who've been affected by racial injustice. It might, But our heart for justice should not stop in one area. Justice can't be compartmentalized, you know? And I, and I know that we're doing this. We, we, we pick, pick your placard that you're passionate about. But as people of faith, it's justice. It's just justice, mm. Um, mm. you know? And so it's, it's important for us to... to be teaching this stuff to be teaching people about how to do that about how to to shift their hearts towards understanding godly justice so so what do, what do we do when we've repented so let's say what does that mean so what does it what does it mean to repent i guess we talk about racial injustice what does that mean for for me individual christian um you know from from the uk what does what does my repentance look like like what, what yeah. does that what does that mean Mm, yeah, question. I I think that there are two key aspects to repentance that I see. The first is acknowledging around, acknowledging an awareness of what has been done wrong. And you can't really repent for something that you don't know of. And so there is there is that knowledge of what's been mm -hmm. done wrong. And so if you're repenting, you know, around the slave trade or around, you know, colonialism or around, you know, the, the, the people in your office, that have been you know that you saw get racist abuse and you did nothing about it take that let's take that example it would be about going before god in your own words and being being honest about where you have not lived up to god's mandate for us and how we treat one another in relation to that and so it might be about saying god i'm sorry for not speaking up because we're called to speak up when we see people do wrong. Um, it might be around saying, God, I'm sorry for the way I see that person. Um, might be sorry for the lies I believed about them or their people group. Um, it's caused me to not see them as image bearers. You know, so whatever it is, it's about acknowledging that that's issue, that scenario, whatever that lie is that you've believed. But there's a second part, and that's about rectifying that wrong. You know, to just say sorry is is you know, oh, well, I cried and then I finished. <laughs> um, but really doing repentance, that heart change should lead to a different action. So it might, it might mean that you see them differently. 
You say hello when you see them. Next time they're in that situation, you speak up. Or in relation to if you've stolen something from them or if you've seen something, you know, been removed from them, giving it back. You know, when we see Zacchaeus, we never hear his repentance prayer, but we see his repentant action. And so there has to be action associated with it. There has to be a different way of walking or of doing something off the back of it. Dan, if mm. I step on your toe and I say I'm repentant, it requires me to take my foot off your toe. I cannot <laughs> keep my foot on your toe and say I'm repenting. It's impossible because I'm not really sorry if I'm still applying pressure on your foot. And so it requires me to see how I live differently in relation to you or relation to that system or relation to that thing. And so if I'm seeing something that's unjust or not right, and I've been a part of that or benefited from that in some way, I acknowledge it. But then I look at a way of walking in relation to that thing differently. Hi there, this is Phil Duncalf. Thank you so much for listening to the Critical Witness podcast. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe, share the episode and write a review. It will help others find us. And if you really like what you hear and want us to grow, please do consider supporting us through patreon.com forward slash critical witness. Enjoy the rest of the show. that person so really good. um so how do how do, how do we uh, think yes that's 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 I absolutely agree how <laughs> do we so how do we how do what does that look like in 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 the church because i think i i guess i I've, I've seen this done well but i've probably seen it done badly more and that gets mm-hmm. a lot of the press i think i i think yeah. a lot of what passes as racial reconciliation is not I, 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 I say it's actually harmful I actually say it's, yeah. uh, my, my I think it makes things much much worse when we yeah. racialize every single interaction we have that you know that someone can sit and analyze the way I've spoken to you and make certain assumptions of well you know if I was nice to you I was nice because uh you know because you're because you're uh, because you're black and if I was mean yeah. to you and then if I was horrible to you that would also be because you're black and so you find yourself in this sort of trap where whatever you do could be viewed as racist mm. and I, I those those kinds of approaches seem to me just to be intrinsically un, un, unhelpful within within the church well not even in the outside of the church as well but within it so I, I'd be really interested about how how do we do racial reconciliation? Well, I, I, I agree. There's, you know, there is much to repent for, you know, uh, as individuals and, and as yet the collectiveness of, 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 of sin as well, and, and how deep rooted it is in, in, in um, you know, certain aspects of, of church life and, and, and yeah. our one to one interactions. So, what, what does it, what does it look like? Yeah. So, I think, I think there are two things that you touched on: the reconciliation bit and then the racialized society that we live in. And so I think you're, you're so right in terms of the reconciliation bit that so often people have done only that first part of repentance. It's the, it's the cry, the wash feet, the, you know, <clears throat> publicly, you know, we're really sorry, we do a letter, we're going to do better. And then we stop there. Mm. And what it does is it requires black people to sit quietly and to wait for a day that will not come where change <laughs> happens. Mm. Um, and so I think that, for us to do this well as a church, 
we have to take that reparative, restorative, you know, part so seriously. And it requires us to look inward. It requires us to sit <laughs> with it and look inward and say, where is the actual problem? Is it, is it a lie that I've believed about a people group? You'd be, you'd be amazed that the, the, the Church of England did, did a, a, a video on BBC, I don't know if you've seen it, of some of the experiences of black and brown clergy. Um, mm. I, I wept. Mm. And this, they're, not, they're not talking about 20 years ago. They're talking about in the last two, three years. Some of yeah. the things that have been said in emails to their faces, mm. um, you know, and so if we're saying that as a church, we're going to do something about it, we have to own up. We have to start with owning up and saying something is wrong. Mm. People aren't lying. <laughs> yes, I wrote the email and it was wrong. We have to own up and start with telling the truth. And then there's going to be work to see how we restore that we repair and restore that relationship that there is a cost to people of color to black and brown people to be in spaces where they have been abused or harmed and so how do we look at, at, at restoring that cost you know what does it look like for you to belong for you to be welcomed for you to be a part and that doesn't mean i just shove you on my leadership team or put your picture on my website, or get you to speak for one Sunday a year. Like that's cheap reconciliation. Mm, totally. How, how is yeah? How is my voice a part of your church community? How 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 am I, you know, a part of what you're doing? You know, if you're a church leader and you're looking at your congregation, and your congregation has a large number of people from Africa or Asia, and there's no one on your leadership. It's from Africa or Asia. There's a problem. Because what that's saying is you don't think that people of African or Asian descent can lead. Mm. It's really simple. You might say, oh, at least you're reading into it too much. It's as simple as that because mm. you're not looking for them. I guarantee you there are people in that, in that, in that group that should be a part of your leadership. And mm. so it's not just about bringing them on to balance the numbers. It's about recognizing that I need your voice. And as much as I need the next person's voice, I need your voice too. And so wherever that lies, wherever the damage is, how do we do that deep reparative work in saying sorry and giving back what was taken in looking at how we, we bring back um, some of that balance? You know, the church, mm. to be honest, the Church of England has benefited hugely from the mm. slave trade, you know? Mm. Um, oh. I know it's doing a lot of work to restore some of that, but really deep work, you know? Yeah, um, yeah I didn't I didn't watch the, the, the programme. I read uh, there was a there was a BBC article, of, uh, I can't remember, it was a few weeks or months ago, kind of outlining yes, some of the experiences of, uh, uh, of, uh, of a of Anglican priest and some of the, you know, the interactions he had with people. Just on a slight side note, what I'd be interested in what you think about in terms of how divided the church is on a Sunday morning, because you got me thinking, you were saying, you said about a church with white leadership with, you know, lots and lots of black and uh, and, and brown congregants. I don't think that happens. That's at the very rarely because I, I mean, I, I, my first church I was part of was a majority black church. And I was one of the very few white people. And, and, uh, and even if I've gone to other churches I've been part of, 
very rarely is a significant proportion mixed. There, there might be a, there'll, there'll be some people, but it's um. I mean, so what what does how how does yeah. how does the, the division on Sunday mornings when we talk about when even I say a black majority church, you yeah. know what does because we do appear within the church broader more see on a Sunday you know in, in the UK as very very divided on a Sunday morning. Oh, really? What, what? Really? Do, but but I hmm. do think that there are, and maybe I guess maybe it's maybe the denominations that I'm a part of, but there are hmm. a growing number of multi ethnic churches. Um, and what I find often is that when you look at the leadership team, they're very white. Um, I, and, and so it's great to hear that you, you know, you went to a, a, you know, a black majority church. I find that to be a very rare case or very low in number. Um, I, I grew is. up in a black majority church. Um, you know, we probably about 90, 90% Ghanaian, maybe. Mm. Wow. You know, if that, um I could tell you now that my church for the last, what, 25, 30 years that's been around would happily welcome white people to the church. I find that actually it's very hard for white people to come to the church and feel, say, it'd be great to hear your experience, Dan, actually, um, to be part of it because it's hard to be a minority. Mm -hmm. It is. It's really hard to be a a minority. Maybe it was what you were used to, but it'd be great to hear your I loved being part of the black church. <laughs> I did. I did. It, it was. It was friendly. Like, I. I. I got a lot they of. They are. They're love. really friendly. Hospitality like, is so cool to our yeah, community. It is. It, it, is yeah. it was. It was. It was amazing. I've never. Hands down, the friendliest churches I've ever been to are majority black churches. I love it. Nigerians, Ghanaians. Like majority was the one I was at was was majority sort of Nigerian and Ghanaian. I just loved it. Like it was. It was yeah. so so friendly, and I think. <laughs> I did feel like I stood out. Like I've, it's probably the yeah. only experiences I've had in my whole life where I felt really like self-aware that I'm the only, yeah. you know, there's only me and a couple yeah. of other white people, and everyone yeah. else is yeah. like that. And you do, yeah. you do like, you, you do feel like you stand out. But yeah. I did get over that quite quickly, and I just yeah. felt like part of the part, yeah. part of the. Well, yeah, still very different, but but part yeah. part of the group. But I, I love I love the experience. But yeah. I, um, yeah. says the only so time I would I'm, I I would say that's good for you. Mm, I, and, mm. and that's what I would love to see more of, you know, that 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 teaches you something that is very hard to get in a book by reading Natives by Carla or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like there's something about the practice and discipleship of sitting under the leadership of people of colour and learning mm. and hearing and hearing them preach and mm. seeing the Bible from their lens and seeing what they see and hearing what they hear that helps to shape us. You know, I would, doing a Bible study with with people who have been refugees, they will Mm. see stuff that I have never seen because of their lived experience, you know? And so all of that stuff shapes who we are, you know? And I think on a Sunday morning, you see very, you see very little of your experience, Dan. It's usually white churches, black churches, and then this kind of emerging, multi-ethnic churches that tend to have white leadership yeah. um i think that's the challenge that i'm i think with the there's an aspect of we, we see the church and it's multi-ethnic but when you have the leadership they have no idea about the cultural differences enough that when it comes into leadership they're like well, this this guy doesn't lead like i do therefore he can't be a good leader and they and it's 
there's a total misunderstanding of the reason they don't lead like you is because they're not white. They don't they're have not they, like they're, you. Yeah. <laughs> they're not like you. That's not, that's that's the good thing. That's why they should be yeah. on your team. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's work, working out that difference isn't necessarily wrong, bad, or rude. It's sort of actually their difference will complement your team. You just have to do the work to figure out what's going on. And and so just in terms of what I do with Friends International, it's like and actually businesses are getting this better than churches that yeah. they it's such a shame it is, it is that they they have to accommodate different ways of communicating uh, in terms of being indirect direct uh, in terms of um just just how you give feedback even yeah. of um you got some some countries where you have to if you couch it with too much positives positives they're never going to hear the the negative and, and they just expect you to just be outright with the negative yeah. other countries you don't put enough positives in they'll you'll wreck the person so it's it is complex but just when you have these leaderships that are, are mono cultural yeah you've got no one able to say look guys you, you guys are good leaders but you you don't have everything in your team you need to hear yeah. and 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 it's almost like to get these monoethnic teams to recognize that is borderline impossible sometimes because they, they haven't got the outside voice to begin with. Um, and you'll, you'll find missionaries sometimes have that understanding of working with culture. And, but that's the only, the only time you'll figure out culture or be trained in it is when you're going out on mission. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, how that's we bring not, that's that not good enough. <laughs> yeah. no it's not it's not at all and 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 we need to find a way within the uk to understand that we're we are a multicultural society whether we recognize it or not that just calling someone british doesn't mean they act the same way as everyone else and um it's it's raising that level of importance of yeah that, that cross-cultural aspect has to feed into our leadership teams as well as our churches um, I don't, I don't know so, if there was a question. So in I, that. I would, I would even, I would even go a step further in that and say that I think that there's a, a wake up call that we have to have as the church here in the UK to see that we are not the centre of the church globally. Yeah, we're, we're not, we're not the whole church, and so we miss out. You know, there's there was a survey done called the world, the world is a hundred Christians. Um, and the most the most the most popular language spoken by Christians is not English, it's Spanish. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. The, 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 the revival isn't happening here in the UK. It's in Iran. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. we're not we're not the center of the church. The the global church is bigger than us. And so we actually need to get on with God's agenda of what God is doing around the world and where he's moving and, and the voices he's bringing to speak to us. We're getting onto God's agenda rather than sticking with our own. And yeah. so I think, like you're saying, we miss out when we exclude voices um, that need to be heard, that need to be a part of, of our conversation because they, they show us where God is moving. And that requires humility to say, God, what are you doing? How can we be a part of it? You know, wow, you've brought, you know, the, the, the kindness to strangers is such a common theme throughout the whole 
of the Bible, that mm. we show kindness to strangers. Where is that for the UK church? Where is that? Where is that actions are modeled out? You know, the story of the Good Samaritan was not an encouragement. It wasn't a cute story for Sunday school. It was a rebuke. It was, mm. it was a challenge to say, that's your neighbor. <laughs> that one that you walk past, that one that you don't like, that one that you've excluded. And so how do we get onto God's agenda with what God is doing, where God is moving? Um, yeah. Amen. <laughs> so, so good. So, a good line in that. Dan, go for it. No, I just say it, it, it's frustrating because I, I'd say largely we we're not a friendly culture, and and then we bring we bring we bring that into the church, and the church never really changes it. So, but it's the same. Every culture has its blind spots, you know. So even when I go, you know, my my African brothers and sisters, they get a lot of stuff that we get wrong, right? But they also have certain things that they've absorbed, you know, absorbed from their culture and brought into the church, which are which are equally yeah. as harmful as some of the things that we 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 miss as well. So um, it, it is it is a real mess, and I think that's why you know in the ideal world, the UK would be churches would all be multi ethnic, and we would all be covering each other's blind spots and learning. Ah, they do that really well. We do this terribly. Let's 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 learn from that. But it's it. I, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm like the word. I'm so cynical. I'm like a redeemed <laughs> pessimist. I, I, and, and 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 unfortunately, I I, I like uh, what you're saying is great, and I, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing and saying what you're doing. I just don't have much hope. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, yeah, because it's... because 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 I just I just know how things work. I know we're just we're so flawed and sinful and 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 that's not a capitulation to say don't try i'm absolutely not saying mm. that but it mm. just seems that i i don't know it's just it, it and i don't want to say it's one of many justices but there are there are there are there are so many injustices going in the world like i we were talking about mm. my own hypocrisy so i will pray with my kids and talk about you know we've got a you know, um, you know, there's so many you know, poor people. We need to be, you know, defending the widows and the orphans, and mm-hmm. and and I talk a good game. But if you if you if you looked you know you looked at my life, it wouldn't necessarily look like I'm living that out. Other things mm-hmm. I care about, and it, and so I see the hypocrisy in myself. And so mm-hmm. if I can't even see myself doing it, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just yeah, yeah I, I just I just um, do you see much hope? In, in, in the sort of things you're 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 trying to do with the people you're talking to are, pe- are people listening uh do you have do yeah. you have hope of, of 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 things going in the right direction yeah um i do i'd say i have measured hope um <laughs> hope with some boundaries um but yeah i think i i've been blown away in the la- in the last year of seeing people come and repent and confess um, and be honest um, you know about their mindsets about what's going on about what uh, their apathy towards racial injustice and seeing that change and seeing that that heart change coming along and learning um, and really engaging with this and, and it's hard stuff it's hard thing to engage with especially like you know on a Tuesday night after work like mm. you know you could just sit and put your feet up but people choose to come to learn, to engage and to come on that journey. There is a lot of work to do. And so that's why I say measured hope, because I think 
this the size of the problem I don't know if we'll solve in my generation I don't think Sankofa Collective alone is definitely not going to mm. solve it um we're playing just like a, I guess a small part in in that but um it's a it's a big problem um and so I think I would love to see almost us just fall in love with Jesus again mm. and from mm. that like live lives that the the impact everything you know that doesn't just pick and choose but really does that you know regenerating work in us um and so i hold out hope for revival <laughs> if i can say that word i hate it because mm -hmm. people are like oh revival but I, I do i do i hold out for for reviving a waking up of us you know back to back to jesus back to seeing one another better um mm. but i'm a bit of a an optimist <laughs> so no, I get that. I get that. We're, 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 and we, we need both so I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad probably fewer pessimists and more people yeah. like you who, who are I, might, I, might be, I might be saying something different in a year's time where i'm yeah. like no, no i hope yeah no, no, I, we, no we'll be praying that's not the case you're still doing do you? i i will say one thing i think I'll say from my, from, from my own experience, I'd like to think that the experience I had, friend, friends I've got, um, and, 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 think, and things I've done. And, and what happens is you tend to, I tend to make this assumption, I think a lot of us make these assumptions, is people think about the issues, most people think about the issues like we do. If we never hear them say otherwise, we just think, oh, well, they probably don't, they're not prejudiced against black people or have, you know, any harbour, any sort of... Um, not, I want to say, any sort of prejudice. Let's just say some mm -hmm. degree of prejudice. But the more I read and the people I hear like say stuff, I'm always like, I've become quite surprised at some of the things mm -hmm. people think. And and then and that like waiting minutes. Like, oh gosh, gosh, if they were if they were willing to say like to say that, mm -hmm. imagine what they'd actually how they might actually treat treat people. Or, yeah. or often the, the weird thing is is people don't necessarily treat might on the appearances treat you appear to treat the same way but still harbour these sorts of yeah. um these negative Thoughts. views about you know, about about exactly. people uh but it is um yeah i, I am I'm, yeah it's um i think that i think that's what, what it's what it's difficult to get people interaction because if you just assume everyone's if you say like oh i'm not racist mm. it then it takes away the responsibility responsibility because you can't change other other people yeah. whereas that's probably not the helpful on reflection, it's probably not the most helpful approach to take because not everyone is like you. We're all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it comes back mm -hmm. down to that whole repentance aspect. I, I do find it in interesting how quick Christians are to fight against the idea of repentance, even communal repentance, when that's like the core of our faith. Come on, like, I don't <laughs> like, understand. Like, I like, think, what have you been doing this whole time? Like, <laughs> yeah, sin is sin is a huge problem, and I think what you're saying, Dan, it, it highlights racial justice is massive because it highlights the 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 depth of the corruption of sin within the human so, uh, psyche, soul, um, and and that's a huge problem. And it took Jesus' death on the cross to to defeat that and the death of God uh, and his resurrection to to take over that. And, and that's why death is the consequence of sin, because it's all pervasive. So I just 
I, I think that that need to continually go back to repentance shows and the fact that it's that slippery slope kind of thing isn't actually an argument. It's like, well, that that's exactly right. It It is a slippery slope. It's because we are, the consequence of sin is playing all the way back to Adam and Eve and, and repentance is a constant life action of the Christian in terms of seeking to turn away from all that is evil so that we follow the good. And, uh, and so all these arguments in and of themselves, I think, highlight more than attack uh the the need for this communal digging into all that we benefit from through through injustice and continue to benefit from uh those injustices um i'm, I'm aware of the, the time but there's a bunch of questions have you got a couple more minutes just to yeah, sure. engage us on these questions in the, in the chat there's um uh eric went who's a friend of the channel has been busy <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me see. there was there was one early one that all, um i thought was important and we kind of touched it on a little bit yeah but um is that rebecca's one yeah rebecca yeah. we touched on it a little bit about um do you think there is the same type or similar level of racial injustice in the uk as experienced in the us um i'd be really interested in what your, yeah. your thoughts on that yeah i i would i would say that it's it's the same and it's different um and so i would say that it's the same because i think that the 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 fundamental thing about it is the dehumanization of of other people and so i would say it's exactly the same um and you see it outworked you know you know systemically you know through organizations institutions um if you look at disparities and you know so many of our you know public institutions you'll see a very similar trend but I would say that it's different in the, in the UK. And I think maybe this is a, maybe a bit of the British culture kind of mixed in, but do correct me if I'm wrong, um, is that it's a lot more passive aggressive and hidden um, and not as, as plain view as in the, in this, in the States. And so, you know, in, in, in the UK, it's a lot more language and, yeah, words and laws and systems, and that then you know you finding. But you again, you do find it happening in the streets. I you know with a lot of the the police force and and young black men, um, and so I would say yeah, it's it's the same in terms of like the principles. But I think that the the outworking of it might be different. Um, but I've never lived in the US, so. I can't, Thoughts, you know, I can't yeah. speak on them, but for here, um, yeah, I'd say it's probably the outworking of it is different. When you look at a lot of the healthcare, police force, like the criminal justice system, education, um, you know, so many of the disparities you see, uh, you know, higher and real disproportion, you know, amongst black and brown people. Um, and... And I think that that's a huge, it plays a huge part in people's everyday lived experience here in the in this country, um, you know. And so even if you've never had somebody make a racist comment at you in the street, you're still experiencing it in so many different ways. You know, the fact that I have I have brothers who have been stopped by police, you know, in, in you know, with because of the car that they drive. 
you know, that they were assumed to be drug dealers. Um, it, you know, and it's like, <laughs> how, how, how are you trying to say that somebody of my skin color can't have a good enough job to be driving this car just normally? That's that's the assumption that you've made by stopping me in the street is that it must be impossible for somebody like me to have a good job and be able to afford this, um, you know, in a just way. And so th th there are so many like layers to it. It's so, it's so insidious. Like it's just so, yeah, um, so many layers to it, but I guess similar in that we can, we can name it in the same way. We can call it out in the same way. We can recognize it as we do there, as we do here. But I think that it has different, yeah, different patterns or outworkings. I appreciate it. Yeah. I think what you've just shared with your, your brothers particularly is a experience. I think I've, I've heard many of my, my black friends share the kind of things that when they were in their teenage years, their checklist for getting in the car was different. very, very different. And, and also yeah. I was probably a little bit more carefree that with my speed than, than a lot of mm -hmm. they, they just couldn't afford to get stopped uh, in many mm -hmm. ways. And so it's, yeah, it's it's definitely a shared experience that that I've I've heard. Um, just just so we go through a few of these questions, here's, here's another one. Um, do you, in in your experience on Sankofa, it's specific because it's a Ghanaian phrase to to more yeah. of a black experience. Oh, is that that was a question? Sorry, is it yeah. specific to to the black experience or? Um, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of probably more of our focus. Is probably the, the black experience. We do have, you know, um, people of Asian heritage as part of our community as well. Um, and I recognize again, their, their experience in so many ways is similar, but also different. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so again, they can, they can, um, you know, they can relate to so many experiences that black black people have here in the UK, but also some, some of it is different for them as well. And so, um, we we tend to focus on on the black experience um, just because it's what most of us in the core team you know can speak to from that place of authenticity um but it's not limited to so you know a lot of the stuff that we're talk we talk about isn't isn't just limited to black people you know we we do speak about yeah i guess i guess people who have been um oppressed because of their race and so um and a lot of our teaching is is kind of i guess more centered towards central themes um but i guess some of the ex expressions of it or the commentary or the stories um yeah are more of a, of a black experience mm. i just thought of a, <laughs> a question that's probably due a part two rather than now <laughs> after sa save on that because it just just the language of all races and cultures I'll just park it just just because may, maybe mm. we can label this as a, as a part two, but just in the sense of having dealt with quite um, a poor school, mm. some of the disparities, and actually it comes up in the the conversation quite regularly. What about the, the poor white kids that often have faced these disparities? So I'll yeah. park that, but it's, yeah. It, yeah. it's an interesting one that there is there yeah. is an aspect where poverty doesn't discriminate in some aspects but how how we negotiate when you've got the race question pits working class white against black mm -hmm. people and you end up with mm -hmm. a complexity there 
it's mm-hmm. that's unhealthy so i i'm so sorry yeah. <laughs> i think yeah. that's where because, my brain was going that's a whole thing and it's important we do that properly because i think this is something i hear really often and so yeah it's important that we we properly go into because I, I hear it a lot um, yeah we yeah. we did touch on it a little bit with we talked with claire williams a while back so if anyone's interested in that yeah. then they can they can hear that but that's for another question um if we go for what one more question and it's kind of to do with the the theme of the theme of, if critical witness has a theme there's an aspect of evangelism and apologetics and and so eric's question again here is kind of i think that's going to be how <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how how does racial justice and are navigating um sort of some of the cultural i guess um conversations that we've had has this impacted your evangelism yeah. i guess and yeah. um how, how so what, what is it what does that look like? Yeah, um, I think that this is a huge part of our evangelism um, because it's the witness of the church, you know, and and for us to be dealing with this and addressing this um, says, to the, says to the rest of society that we care. You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier that actually so many companies are probably a little bit further down down the line than the, than the churches that's not a good witness um for us as the church and so you know especially for us to be able to have the conversations to see people come into healing to see people come into i needed to hear that i needed i needed to 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 have that pointed out and named in the room you know it's hard it's hard to bring people to christ when also with one hand you're inviting them but with the other hand you're you're hurting them you you have to deal with the hurt in order to be able to do the invitation well and so i think this is a huge part of our evangelism that if we're going to evangelize well we've got to deal with this we've got to we've got to speak about it head on um so that we can you know say to people welcome come come be a part of family and we're not saying come be a part of a you know a place where you're going to be hurt and abused even more and so um yeah, to me, they're they're inseparable. Um, mm. Yeah, I think that that's great. Yeah, thank you, uh, Dan. Any any? Uh, there's probably other questions that I've missed. So if, if you've asked a question, there, there was one about how do, how do we en- engage younger members. I think that would be for a part two as well. Yeah, um, I think we've just sort of scratched the surface a little bit. Um, Dan, any sort of? Um, we do have one final question that we always ask. But Dan, do you have do you have another? Anything else you uh, no, no, I think uh, there's lots I'd like to, to carry on discussing. I think, um, yeah, looking at disparities is probably one of my, my my interests in the racism one, because I think there's a lot of, I think maybe I, I tend to disagree <laughs> with a fair few people about the, the causes of disparities and what that entails for racism or whether disparities are never are necessarily evidence of racism. I think they they can be, and not not necessarily so. So it'd be quite interesting to have a have a conversation about um, mm. that when 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 we next uh, when we next chat. Um, but other than that, pro- probably no no more questions other than our our, our last one because I'm, I'm aware of the time and mm. I think yeah now now we've spoke it'll be it'll be, it'll be I think that having another discussion would be really interesting. Um, yeah. 
If, if you're so, if you're up for it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. After this, you'd be like, no, I'm not. But nah, but but yeah, one of our, our last questions is always like ask, asking guests um, if you recommend resources. I, I, ideally, in terms of books, like what what books would you recommend? Mm. Um, Podcasts. Yeah, podcasts and yeah. resources and things like that. But we're, we're always looking for for books, and I've still got I've still got so yeah. many books. I've got Vince Bantu's stuff oh, yeah. that I yeah. want I want to get yeah. to, yeah. Um, and I, um, I, I will I will get there, but not not yet. Probably, I guess thinking about this conversation, the book I would recommend is um, a book by a guy called David S. Swanson. Um, I would need to double check your surname, but something something along those lines. David Swanson or Winston, and it's called Rediscipling the White Church, um, and it is a good book, <laughs> <laughs> um, really good book, um, and talks about racial justice from the perspective of discipleship. That as churches in the West, we've got to go back to our discipleship. That there are gaps in our discipleship, and it covers everything from cheap reconciliation to multi-ethnic communities, all of all of the above. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's David Swanson. I just looked it up on. Yes, yeah, Swanson. There we go. Oh, I did get it right. Nice. Uh, yeah. Looks good. I'll uh, add that to my ever-expanding list. Yes, of list. Of- <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, Lisa, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you. Thank you. End of guys. a heavy week. We, we, we appreciate it and um, look forward to setting up another conversation in the near future because it's yeah. an important one, a vital one, and appreciate the work you're doing with with the collective. Um, just one of the questions I missed: Do you have a Twitter? And also, how do they? How do can people get involved in this collective? Yeah. What what can, yeah. what can people do? So we meet uh, normally on the last Tuesday of the month. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Sankofa Collective UK. Uh, we also have a website, www.sankofacollective.org. Um, and yeah, you can also sign up to like our newsletter so you always get updates about, you know, when our next seminar is and things like that. Um, and also blogs that we write. Um, yeah, you can get involved and, and come be part of us. And if you'd love to volunteer or something, I'm sure we'd, we'd love to have you. So yeah, um, yeah. Be great to have you join us awesome thank you so much for your time and we'll uh we'll wrap it up here um so hopefully that's uh oh i've highlighted you lisa <laughs> there we go <laughs> um hopefully that's yeah helped you guys as as much as it has us in terms of thinking this through well how this might impact the church and um, having this conversation uh we've got other conversations lined up for next month. It uh, looks like we've got Philippa Wilson talking about Christians and depression, how we navigate that um, and how, how that might impact our evangelism as well. Uh, so that uh, I can't actually remember the date on the top of my head. So look out for it. It's in Feb. We're also going to be talking about Christians and Bitcoin and whether or not Christians should should uh, should invest or um, what is Bitcoin and and why certain christians are getting involved in it seeing it as a a better money for christians to invest in so that could be an interesting one it's uh not talked about very much and that will be in february as well so thanks for supporting the channel by watching do give us a like follow subscribe share all that all that stuff 
Um, if you are on a podcast, please do uh, rate it. And again, feel free to share it if if it's that good. Um, just rate it because Lisa was great and uh, our guests are, are better than us. So rate it for them. Anyway, I'm rambling. Uh, thanks for your support and have a good rest of your weekend. God bless. Are you not Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you hear, please do give us a subscribe on YouTube or follow us on any of the social media out there and give us feedback. Get in touch, let us know what you think. If you really enjoyed the content and want to support it, find us on patreon.com.